0: Venture podcasters, welcome back to another episode of Venture Podcasts. I'm your host Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Urquist Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and we are uh, in this series called "Bless This Home," and we are actually wrapping it up today. So this is week four. Uh, and so if you've missed one, two, or three, my encouragement is, is go back and, and listen to those episodes. Uh, that way you are in line with everybody else. Um, but also, if you feel free to listen to this message, uh, you can, it will make sense to you just on this message alone. So don't worry about that either. Uh, but anyway, if you've missed the last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, in what's uh, called, a a little section called the Beatitudes, where Jesus gave us eight different qualities of those who would be blessed. And so, uh, although Jesus was talking to everybody, uh, what we've been doing for the purpose of this series uh, is we're applying our teachings to our homes. And that's why we're calling it, Bless This Home. Because the reality is, if you look around today at so many homes where where we live, which is the United States, okay, most people wouldn't say, man, they're they're really blessed. They've got a, a blessed marriage. Their kids are blessed. So so what we're doing is we're we're asking God to teach us to live according to His Word, so that He would bless our homes. All right. So let me give you uh, our kind of our key thought that we've been looking at every single week. Uh, it's kind of this paradigm shift about how we think about our faith and our families. And it's, we are not just a Christian home, but we are a Christ-centered family. Now, some of you uh, that this is their first time listening to this series uh, might say, well, what's the difference between a Christian home and a, and a Christ-centered family? Well, unfortunately today, the word Christian does not mean what it used to mean. In fact, where we live, uh, a real big portion of the population would fall into the category that I would call cultural Christian we're almost like, you know, we are Christian in name only, is basically what they're saying. Some 80% or so of those in our country would say, yeah, we're Christians, but if you looked on at other families, on those families, you, you might go, well, I'm not quite sure if they are or not. I, I just don't know because, I mean, there's no evidence to tell me that they are, so I just don't know. Now, if we take a different title and, and we take it seriously and we say we're not just a Christian home, Kind of in the cultural sense, but we say we are Christ-centered in all that we do, in other words, Jesus isn't a convenient part of our life, the guy that we call on when we need him or go to church on Easter for or whenever we feel like it, but he's not just part of our lives, but truly the center of, li- center of our lives, then there will be evidence to those who look on. Our, our values will be different. The way we raise our children will be different. The way we use our resources, our time and money and other things will be different. The the way we treat people will be different because Jesus isn't just part of our lives, but he is our lives. We are Christ-centered in what we do. So are you ready for our key thought for today? Okay, here it is. If you are a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted, okay? And you're probably like, well, that's fantastic. This is what I'm listening to this podcast for today. What a great uplifting message this is going to be, okay? But it's true. Okay? If you are a Christ-centered family, what you need to understand is that people will mock you, they will make fun of you and ridicule you, or, or worse, because that's what happens when you are Christ-centered. And I don't know how it will play out for you, but it plays out in different ways for me. One time it was really funny, in a sense I went to the Super Bowl party one year, and, and, and so I was there and I met some new people, and I started talking to this to this one guy he was really friendly. He was telling me about his kids, and I began telling about my kids. And, and he said, man, these, these parties are usually a lot more fun than this one is going to be. And I said, well, why is this one going to be fun? And he said, well, usually we have a big keg, and we get all bleepity-bleep drunk, and bleepity-bleep this, and bleepity-bleep that, you know, and just goes on. And, and I said, well, why is this one different? And he said, well, the word is there's a pastor here, and so there's going to be no keg. And I'm like, oh, that's too bad, <laughs> you know? And so we talked for a little bit longer, and he said, by the way, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, to be honest with you, uh, I ruin keg parties for a living, <laughs> you know? That's what I do. And I and I get this kind of awkward moment of silence, and he's trying to figure it out, Then it dawns on him that, oh, I'm talking to him, you know? And, and uh, once that kind of went aside, uh, we became friends, and we continued talking on, and Uh, But anyway, you will be persecuted, okay, just because of your beliefs. Now, if you go back to week one, uh, we talked about blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So if you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness in an unrighteous world, people are going to laugh at you. They're going to mock you. Uh, Our second week, we uh, we talked about blessed are the pure in heart, for you will see God. Uh, if you're trying to live with a pure heart in a world that idolizes impurity, people are going to mock you and last week' episode we we talked about blessed are the peacemakers for all they for they will be called children of God. If someone strikes you on one cheek and and you turn the other cheek, if you go the extra mile, if you forgive that which seems unforgivable, many people don't have a category for that, okay they're going to think you're you're weird or you're a doormat or that's just stupid what's wrong with you okay they will mock you and that brings us to what Jesus said very clearly in the 8th and final beatitude so it's Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 here's what it says blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for the kingdom of heaven is theirs all right blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness righteousness for the kingdom of heaven is theirs Now, here's basically what he's saying. He said, and this kind of sounds unusual to us because he's going, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they say falsely all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. You know, He's saying, blessed are you when people make fun of you, persecute you, ridicule you because of your faith in in me, in Jesus. Jesus is saying this and he goes, great is your reward. Now, some of you may say, okay, well, what exactly does that mean? Blessed are you when you're persecuted for, for right living, for doing the right thing. Well, you know, what, 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 What's going on there? And you might think, well, obviously, Dan, you're going to be persecuted because you're a pastor and you're kind of odd anyway, so you've got it coming to you, right? <laughs> the reality is, though, you don't need to be a pastor to be persecuted. In fact, the very first illustration of persecution in the Bible was between Cain and Abel, and it wasn't because Abel was preaching to Cain. The reason Cain was angry is because Abel was living the right way. He was doing the right thing before God, and, and Cain wasn't. And his own sin convicted him, and he was angry and maybe mad at himself. I'm not, you know, we're not quite sure, but I'm sure he was. And, and he lashed out and, and he killed his own brother, not because his brother did anything wrong, but because his brother did everything right in the eyes of God. And he was convicted by the right living. And so I don't know what it will be for you. But when you are a Christ-centered family, you will have different values. Okay? And maybe you're a teenager or a young adult that's listening, and, and you might be thinking, oh, I'm going to honor God with sexual purity. You know, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. And your friends are probably like, well, you're an idiot. That's the stupidest thing. Who would give that up? You know, that's just stupid. And they're, and, and they're going to make fun of you. Well, blessed are you when people persecute you for righteousness' sake. Maybe you're not going to go to certain movies that all your friends are going to, why? because there's a little poop in the brownies, and if you don't know that story, listen to a couple of previous episodes, okay, You know what I'm talking about, and you say I'm not going to do this even though everybody else is and and they make fun of you, or maybe you're so crazy you say, well, we're not going to put our child in the one sports league. well, why not? Well, because they play games on on the days when we go to church. Well, how can you put church in front of your four year old 's future well Maybe church is better investment in your four-year-old's future and let them make fun of you. Maybe you're seeking God and trying to serve God and things aren't going right in your life and people say, well, where's God now? Why aren't things going right in your life? And you recognize that things might not be going right in your life, not because you're doing something wrong, but they may not be going right because you're doing what's right. I know that sounds weird because there's, there's spiritual opposition for it. Okay, it happens all the time. If you are a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted for your faith. So that raises the question, how do we prepare our families for persecution, right? How do we prepare them? How do we prepare them to have roots in their faith in Christ so they can handle the inevitable persecution that will come? So I'm, I'm going to give you three different thoughts today, okay, uh, that I pray will build your faith of how do we prepare our families. Number one, we're going to teach them to expect it, Okay. We're going to teach them to expect persecution. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, he said, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone. If you want to follow Christ, you will be persecuted. If your family is Christ-centered, in some way you will be different If people won't understand and they will criticize you. And you won't be different like everybody else. You'll be different in your own unique way because you're seeking God and you're hearing from him on how he would want you to, to lead you and to follow him. Now, I don't know what it's going to be for you, but when you're Christ-centered, you're going to be different from the values of the world and they're going to make fun of you. It may be at Thanksgiving dinner and they're, they're all taking little jabs at you as you want to pray over the Thanksgiving meal. Uh, may, they may not invite you to certain parties because, like me, you ruin keg parties, okay? They may make fun of you when you're doing your Bible study at school, or they may make fun of you because you dress modestly when all the others dress like they're going to work on the street corners, if you know what I mean. Whatever it may be, if, if they make fun of you, you just expect it. It's part of following Christ. So here's my advice to you, okay? If those parents, if you're raising kids or eventually in the future you plan on raising kids, what I advise you to do is to introduce them to controlled and small doses of persecution, okay? You teach them as followers of Christ, you will be persecuted, so you introduce them to small and almost controlled doses of persecution when they're, when they're young. And the, and the reason this is so important is because the persecution in our country, in the United States, has been relatively light, but it is increasing every single day. There is tremendous growing hostility towards Christianity and Christ's values, and you better learn to stand strong and teach your children to stand strong because the heat is going to increase, and they need to have their roots planted deeply, okay, because you will be persecuted. Jesus said it very directly in John fifteen eighteen through 20. Listen to what he says. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. He says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We teach our families to expect it. The second thing we teach them to do is we teach them to endure it. Okay? We teach them to endure persecution. And, and Here's another fact. Paul told the Corinthians this in 1 Corinthians 4.12. He said, when we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we're persecuted, we endure it. So what do we not do? Well, we don't whine about it. We don't cry about it. We don't gripe about it. Well, this isn't fair. My friend befriended me on Facebook because I'm a Christian, and I can't suffer anymore. Boo-hoo. You know, we, we don't do that. We endure it. And I may, I remind you respectfully that the persecution we endure in this country, in the United States, is incredibly light to what goes, around, uh, goes on and around the world. And there are those of you here listening on this podcast that that some of you, you've probably confessed your faith in Christ and your family has disowned you, and the courage it takes to do that is far greater than what we endure here. There are places in the world where you confess your faith in Christ. They cut your tongue out. They cut your ear off. They mark you. There are places that for centuries and even today around the world where people lose their lives for the faith in Christ. So when someone makes fun of you because you're going on a mission trip on your spring break instead of going and partying, you just endure it. You just take it like a man of God or a woman of God. And when people make fun of you because you have different values, you just take it. You just endure it with a smile on your face. When God calls you to do something different and to get out of debt and not to be in bondage, you drive an old car, you know, no payments, and they're going to make fun of you. Or you live in a smaller place and they laugh and they say, hey, come on over here where we are. We're broke and loving it, okay? You just endure it because you're a follower of Christ. And when you do, it's amazing what happens. God does something inside of you. When you endure persecution, your spiritual roots grow deeper. In fact, when you endure persecution, your intimacy with Christ increases. Your spiritual resolve is strengthened. I remember a few years back, I was working a job at um, uh, what's called the Omaha World Herald. It's a newspaper company here in um, Omaha. We Bellevue is just right outside of Omaha. And I had an opportunity to work full time at the church, this, the church I now serve at, and at the daycare that we had. And so I went into my boss at the, at the Herald, and I gave them my two weeks notice. And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to go work full-time at the church. And he asked, well, why would you want to do that when you have a great future here? And when I explained to him that I really felt like this is what God called me to do, it was like, well, don't let the door hit you on the way out. You know. And I also had friends that were deeply concerned for my stupid, irrational decision uh, to go to work for a church. Well, you know what that did? It deepened my faith in Christ. It solidified the decision. It helped me to understand that I wasn't living for the approval of others, but I was living for the approval of God, and it did something inside of me. If you haven't been persecuted in a while, I'm, I'm telling you it's almost a disadvantage. And I would almost say that the fact that there is little persecution where, where we live, it's almost, it almost puts us in a spiritual disadvantage because all through history, when the church is persecuted, the church becomes stronger. There's a sense of unity and there's passion and there's boldness and, and it weeds out those who don't really mean it and it strengthens those who do. And they become more effective. And when your family stands together for Christ, not just, yeah, we're kind of a Christian family, I think. I know we at least baptized you know, many years ago and I don't know of anything else, but, but when we're Christ-centered, it draws you together. And when your family is persecuted, there's a sense of strength an identity for who God has called you to be. We're not just a Christian family in name only, we're Christ-centered. It means something to us. It's the center of all that we do. Therefore, we tell our family, we're not going, we're, I'm sorry, we're going to be persecuted. Expect it. And when it comes, you endure it. But you just don't endure it. There's actually another word that I want to tell you and it's it's our number 3 uh, thing we're talking about and it's you embrace it. You have to embrace it. You thank God that you get to suffer in some small way like his son Jesus Christ did who gave it all for us. You embrace it. In fact, Peter said something to this, but before I read you what he said, I want to give you the context, okay? Peter was talking to a, a group of, of Christians that were suffering and being uh, persecuted beyond anything that our little safe world can imagine, Okay. In fact, one of the things they would do is they would take the Christians who wouldn't renounce the name of Christ, that basically who wouldn't, who wouldn't denounce him, and they would put them into the center of a coliseum in front of a huge crowd. And they would release lions who would physically devour, eat those who would not walk away from their faith in Christ. And Peter's talking to these, these folks. And here's what he said. Okay, I hope you're ready for this. This is what he said in 1 Peter 4. 12 through 13 and 16. Listen, to what he says. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. Glorify God in having that name. When your friends make fun of you at lunch because you're praying over the meal or you glorify God in having that name. When people make fun of you because you walk away from a job that was profitable but you realized it was slightly unethical and everybody else says, but in our business, everybody fudges something, you know. but you don't and, and they make fun of you and they laugh at you and mock you because you could have made a lot of money and you stand up and say, no, I've made a covenant with God and I'm gonna do what's right. I believe God will bless me more later. And even if he doesn't, I did what's right today. Thank you, God, that I get to suffer in some small way. You see, blessed are those when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, for yours is the kingdom of God. It does something inside of you. And some of you, maybe right now, you feel like you must be doing something wrong because you've got opposition all around you. Someone may even say, hey, how's that God thing going for you now when all hell's breaking loose in your life? Well, may, may I remind you that things may be going wrong, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right. Because blessed are those when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, this is a spiritual battle. We need to understand it, that it's very, very real. So here's the deal, and I hope you'll listen to me. Don't ever worry when your family is being persecuted for righteousness. The only time you should worry is when you're not ever being persecuted at all. Because if you're not being persecuted at all, let me just say as lovingly as I can, you might be a Christian family in name only. When your kids ask you, well, what are, what are we about, mom and dad? You might say, well, we're about Jesus, his kingdom, his purpose, his glory, making a difference in this world. And you need to know when you're about him, you will be persecuted. So don't worry when you are. Worry when you're not. If everything goes okay and there's no spiritual opposition, well, maybe you're walking the same way as the devil. Because when you're walking towards God, okay, there's always spiritual opposition. Because blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. If you're a Christian family, you will be persecuted. It's part of it. So what do you do? Well, we talked about it. You expect it. That's what happens. You endure it. You take it like a man of God or like a woman of God, and you don't strike back. You don't get angry. You don't get defensive. You just love and love and love and love and love, and you endure it. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You are not just going to settle for being a blend-in, average cultural Christian family. God has called you to something more. We are going to be Christ-centered in all that we do because we are created for his glory. I want everybody to say, God, will you bless this home? Amen. All right, that concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. It also concludes our series on Bless This Home, so we hope you enjoyed it. We also hope you'll join us next week as we begin a new series called Stay Positive where we embrace the way we were created to think and we'll talk to stay positive. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.